This is an RNZ podcast. This is Media Watch. I'm Colin Peacock. This week we look at the results of the biggest annual survey of New Zealanders' trust in news, which also revealed much more about how Kiwis really feel about our news media these days. We have to hold divisive forces accountable. Pull your ad dollars from platforms that spread disinformation. Don't be afraid. We have to help repair the societal fabric. We have to stand strong against political pressure. Do right, and action drives trust. Thank you very much. Thoral. That was Richard Edelman, the CEO of the international PR company Edelman, which, every year since the turn of the millennium, has surveyed trust in institutions, governments, services and businesses in countries all over the world. And in almost all of them, it's recorded annual declines of trust in all sources of news and information in recent years. And it was the same again this year in 16 out of the 27 countries they survey, though it was up in six of them, including Mexico, the UK, France and, surprisingly, the US. And our former Prime Minister Helen Clark was also on hand at that announcement back in January to give a view from here. I think to a large extent in New Zealand we've kept it, but you can feel it fraying. You can feel the, the influences of the polarisation, for example, out of the US, which uh, you know, plays in everybody's media and, and how that, that's putting new, new pressures on as well. So I think you know, keeping that, that ability to, to talk across political lines, to find the, what, what we have in common, uh, what, what's our shared interest, I think. And, and I think that also applies geopolitically. You know, there's not necessarily a lot of shared values, but we do have a lot of common interests, and we need to focus on how we address that. Now, as it happens, New Zealand isn't among the countries that Edelman actually surveys for trust, though last year a survey by a local affiliate of Edelman, the PR company Acumen, found that trust in media here had dropped to just 41%, and that's well below Edelman's global average of 50 And a majority of Kiwis also considered the media here a divisive force in our society, according to that survey. Bummer. But while that alarming result was reported by several media outlets at the time, including RNZ, the Acumen report actually told a different story on closer inspection. It said that trust in all media actually rose each year from 2017 and 58% of people surveyed chose traditional news media as a trusted source and that's a greater proportion than people in the US, Japan or Australia. And the fine print from Acumen said that that question about divisiveness was only put to about half of the sample and the sample size of the survey wasn't even in the report. Hard to have too much trust in that. Now, since 2020, the most comprehensive annual survey of New Zealanders' trust in news has been carried out by the Centre for Journalism, Media and Democracy at the Auckland University of Technology, which uses the marketing company Horizon Research for the data and uses as a template for that a survey of 46 other countries by the international news agency Reuters. Now, the first time out, more than half of the respondents here said they can trust most of the news most of the time, and almost two-thirds trusted the news they personally consumed back in 2019. And people here were more sceptical than those in many other countries about news on social media and through online search engines. But since then, New Zealand's had lockdowns, anti-government and anti-COVID control protests, and more and more misinformation online, and also many claims that our media are corrupt or compromised, or both, because of increased government funding. Individual journalists and media outlets have also been targeted by trolls and critics. 
Now, last year's AUT Trust in News survey found that just 45% of us were prepared to say we trust the news most of the time. And in this year's survey, fresh out this week, it's fallen again to just 42%. So this week I asked the lead authors of the report, AUT's Dr Greg Treadwell and Dr Miriam Elinati, is it time to worry? Well, it is worrying because this is, uh, the trend that we see that is continuing and uh, you start to wonder that where the bottom is. So we used to be the one of the, you know, high or one of the, in a, compared to the Reuters survey, we were sitting uh, above the other, you know, comparable countries and now we are at the same level. So that trust gap internationally has uh, disappeared. Uh, of course, it's a worry for the democracy and journalism and news and, yeah. And Greg, you uh, did point out that trust in news people themselves actually consumed rather than just general overall uh, news. Uh, That has actually increased slightly in this survey. However, uh, that was um, around 62%, I think, back in 2020, so four years on. That's come down by about the same margin, by Mm. sort of 9% over Mm. the four years as uh, as the, the fall recorded in trust for general news overall. Yeah, there's a slight uptick, um, but you know you're quite right, Colin. The, the thing to look at is the overall trend, uh, and that's down as well. So the difference between uh, people's views of the news generally and the views of the news that they pick out of the the melee of news, the, the stuff they choose themselves, which we can assume they choose. F- because they find it more trustworthy, and that is going down as well. So that means even the stuff we like, uh, New Zealanders are finding less trustworthy. Um, Whatever news you're talking about, it's falling rapidly. And we're now at 42% in terms of general trust in news, which is the equivalent of the sort of international average, whereas, as Maria was saying just before, we were higher. That, That gap is now gone. So it's actually been falling faster in New Zealand than other countries. Well, people will, at various news organisations, including this one, will be looking at the individual scores. So trust for RNZ falling 14.5% uh, on, on last year. For Kata Māori, Māori Television 14.3%. News Talk ZB 14%. That looks like a trend. But then, again, you look at it, there are smaller brands like interest.co.nz, even Crux, which is news for Queenstown and Southern Lakes mm. area. I mean, the survey must be picking up fewer people know and are aware of those smaller brands. So should we take it absolutely literally that these double-digit falls, which sound bad for perhaps those bigger organisations, aren't aren't necessarily... I mean, we're talking about a a fraction of a sample here, so maybe we shouldn't get too concerned about that? Uh, We take out, for example, uh, the people who don't know the brand. They are excluded from those figures. So it's really difficult to say because, of course, the the smaller ones are smaller. They have smaller audiences than the big ones like Radio New Zealand or News Talks at BD. Of course, you have seen Radio New Zealand is still uh, leading the the trust uh, tables with uh, this year together with the TVNZ and Otago Daily Times. I think there is some unevenness here, and this is, of course, a a self-reported trust level. We ask people, do you trust the news? Uh, And they tell us how they feel about things at that moment. And, And we think that the... The, the fall in trust in news is a very complex thing. And, and while we think there are things that newsrooms can do to 
to regain some of the lost trust in audiences. There are other things intersecting here. So, I mean, for example, RNZ's, you know, somewhat surprisingly large fall, while still being a national leader, mm-hmm. is RNZ's an institution, isn't it? And as we, you know, in a sense, and in people's minds, uh, it's a government institution of sorts. And a, a, as we sort of are surmising, the fall in trust in news is connected in ways to the fall in trust in all social institutions. And and if you go through a pandemic, if you go through a cyclone, if you go through um, all the things that New Zealand's been through, <laughs> emotionally you want to take it out on someone. Mm. And and the government is, 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 you know, so there are these kind of issues that are tied up with trust as well. And it's a very a difficult thing to unpick. And, and the surveys that we're doing at the moment, we're working in the background at a much more sort of nuanced level. But the survey are sort of bold, bold facts, right? And there's a lot to unpack in them, I think. Uh, you did also ask people why uh, they don't trust the news. Mm. Some of the main reasons uh, were the perception of biased and opinionated reporting, a lack of facts, and politicisation yep. of newsrooms um, that were seen as, as having a, a political leaning, uh, not enough transparency in how media operate, and specifically this government funding of journalism. Some respondents even commented that the media wasn't providing enough positive news and supporting positive change. I guess that, Greg, feeds into what you were just saying about there being a kind of a mega trend and a mood that is mm. very difficult for anyone to buck, big or small, but, yeah, particularly institutional and established ones. Yeah, absolutely. Journalists are, are, are messengers of bad, you know, they carry bad news. And, look, we, you know, I mean, the complaint that newsrooms don't do good news is a very old complaint. That goes back to when I was a journalist journalism cadet at 17 years old you know there was always the the question of why isn't there good news in the newspaper and journalists have no problem answering that with there's so much bad news we can't there's no room for the good news and also we don't necessarily need to make change around good news do we we need to make change when bad news appears and that's why bad news predominates and it's so important that we hear about what the problems we face are as a society are and and it's not PR right we're not here to polish the buttons of the government we're here to challenge them and to uh, to, to represent the public and all these things. And it's a messy, dirty game. And the public doesn't really like it, although they value it. So then you ask, do you trust them? And there's a whole lot of feelings come up for people who are news consumers, I think. But having said that, it is really important that we keep a close look on the top line. You know, it is falling. Trust is falling. It is a big issue. And, and even if it's falling parallel to the loss of trust in government or education or these other things that um, an increasingly polarised society is seeing as issues, even if it is part of that trend, we've still got to do something about it. Mm. And, Miria, when it comes Mm. to which sources people do use, uh, the report notes TVNZ and stuff were the Mm. main or most most cited sources of news for the second year in a row, so tallying with the findings of last year's survey. Uh, Facebook, though, Mm. uh, the third most important source for New Zealanders, according to your survey. And interesting if, if we take some of the actual comments provided by some of the respondents. For example, Mm. uh, this person who is um, age 45 to 54 says, I mostly look at the official news sources when someone links an article. So on their Mm. Facebook feed, presumably. Other than that, I like watching government stand-ups and get info straight from the source when possible. I mean, are there people who, like this individual, are getting news submitted by other people via the feeds they're following on social media and then actually seeking to get news and information from 
institutions rather than actual news media organisations and sort of putting the two together? When the person says that, you know, they go to social media or they go to Facebook and then they find a link. So that link takes them to the news source or news, perhaps to news organisations. When uh, we talk about some institutions or watching, for example, press conference of the government, they don't understand that actually that's mediated by the the television or radio quite often. Mm. So it is a mediated media. Uh, uh, what comes to the social media uh, use, I think the, the, we don't know enough that what people are doing there. So if, when they say that they use, for example, Facebook as a source of, a source of news, we don't know exactly what are they doing. Are they, uh, what news are they uh, consuming? What content are they seeing? Uh, where are they going from there? So that is something we would need to understand a bit uh, deeper and do some like focus groups or something to find out how they actually use and what do they actually see and what do they actually click. Mm, yeah, and another one, this is a respondent who was female, aged 55 to 64, uh, New Zealand European ethnicity, saying, look, if you want local news, our mm. Facebook community groups are fantastic. During the flood two weeks ago, she says, I was able to see photos and video of what was going on just down the road. This is faster than any news outlet. It's local and it's real. Uh, and we know that really is an area of increase, isn't it, Mary, where people are forming local news groups and sharing news and information, some of which will come from the likes of stuff, TVNZ, RNZ, whatever, or, I mean, it could be coming from just about anywhere and have any measure of reliability or lack of it uh, attached to it. Yeah, I think you know, the, that comment also caught my eye because I think you know what they said about the purpose and function of those uh, community groups. And I think they do fill some gap for people. They do find something from there what the main news media doesn't provide them or and perhaps so quickly. When it comes to the floods and whatever, I think the media did a brilliant job. The reporters were on the ground. They were reporting as fast as they could. There's, you know, overall, I think the reporting was excellent. But they do take me back to that, you know, importance of the local reporting and, you know, having those local reporters uh, on the crowd. When you mentioned Crux, for example, uh, which is, you know, functions uh, or operates in Queenstown, Wanaka area, maybe, you know, they fall for the trust, for example, wasn't so big because they are talking to their communities and they are in their communities and they're reporting other issues which are important to their local people. And maybe the same goes with uh, the Otago Daily Times, for example. They are independent they are, you know, in the regions, uh, they perhaps people, you know, feel that they are telling the stories which are important and closer to them. There's a proximity there. One of the things in the report, incidentally, is you mentioned a Pew study in the US showing, like, actually yeah. adults under 30 pretty much don't distinguish in their levels of trust between social media and national news outlets, which is a bit of a worry. However, um, they really trust local news outlets. I mean, mm, all yeah. age groups, you know, more than 70% were prepared to say they trust those. Is that because you've maybe less suspicion because you think if it was going to be misleading, you'd know about it because you know what's going on locally and somehow people feel more connected to and feel better about uh, actual local news being pre- prepped in that, their own community? I think that's mm. that's just spot on, Colin. Yeah. I think mm. that is not only quite right, I think it's a massively important issue in the whole discussion of trust. Um, having been both a, 
uh, a national, if you like, level reporter and a local reporter myself, I know what it's like when you write a story about somebody and then you see them in the supermarket an hour after the newspaper comes out. There's a level of accountability. There's a level of localness, a, l- a level of you're not running and hiding behind the newsroom door when, once you've published the news. You're accountable for what you've written. But also you have local knowledge. While journalists move from newsroom to newsroom as their jobs change, there's still a sense at a local news level that they're one of us. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the Attack yeah. Daily Times should be extremely pleased with its result um, because it's now, you know, among the most trusted news organisations in the country. But the, the ODT has the, you know, sponsors the local rugby club and has its name right across the stand and everybody sees it on television. Um, The ODT owns and runs a bunch of award-winning local papers. The ODT is in the same building it's been in since 18-something. It is part of the social fabric of Dunedin and Otago. That doesn't, you know, mean it doesn't make mistakes or it can't fall into the same traps that all media can fall into. But what it does mean is that locals feel it's part of their social fabric. Um, at a much more national level, staff, uh, NZME, RNZ TV, NZ, feel quite distant from you if you're sitting in your home in somewhere like um, the middle of the Waikato or something like that. Um, your local paper... Well, they shouldn't, lo- shouldn't do that way, Greg, because stuff uh, publishes the Waikato Times and has done... Uh, for more than 100 years. Um, but before Sinead Boucher bought stuff for a dollar, Fairfax closed 38 local papers in one day. So, yes, the Waikato Times is owned by stuff, but it's a metropolitan. And perhaps my example of the Waikato wasn't as good as, say, uh, you know, somewhere in central Otago or something like that. But sure. even within the suburbs of Auckland, people are feeling... Uh, lost about the news in their in their immediate vicinity because um, while they were part of a, a multinational news brand, things like the North Shore Times and the Western Leader, you know, arrived at your door and had stories about the problems in your community. So there are these Facebook groups where people go for that information that you were talking about, and it's and and as Mary said, it's massively important, and it's really a good possibly mix of Facebook local reporting and just citizens putting their stuff stuff on the, on the net. But it's not mediated. It's not verified. And I'm sure communities act in their own best interests in a crisis and all the information about the floods was probably massively important and useful. But it's still not verified by a journalist. It's not mediated and given context. So we actually do need people to interpret social problems for us. And those are journalists. And Maria, uh, mm. the ODT and its intense localness and Dunedin and, and in the south uh, would be one reason why they felt confident enough in this past year to put up a paywall online. That another thing you survey every year is people's willingness to pay. Is that on the up in this um, latest survey? It went up, I think, one percentage from uh, last year. We asked uh, other people paying for, for example, online digital subscriptions or are they financially supporting uh, with the donations or memberships, other um, uh, news outlets. And so it was slightly up. What is interesting to me is that we sit now uh, much higher than uh, international average. So uh, 23% of the uh, New Zealanders say that they are paying for uh, some uh, online news. And internationally, that's 17%. So that's encouraging to me. The uptick was also there that, you know, people who... Uh, trust the news more, the, those news, what they consume themselves, they trust more. So I think this go maybe in hand in hand. And for me, that is a 
kind of positive sign. I kind of, you know, go against Craig, what Craig said early on. That might be some inkling that maybe we're leveling out on this trust. Maybe, you know, we're seeing in the bottom. Uh, I have a nice feeling about that, but I don't know. Uh, hopefully I'm not wrong next year. <laughs> we'll, we'll pull you back in next year. We will, we will definitely run on that and see if well, we've bottomed out or not. I hope it, it's bottomed out, as yeah. Maria says. Mm. I, I actually don't mm. think it probably has. But if it mm. hasn't, then I think we worked out last year that it, it's, there'll be no tra- if it keeps falling at, at 3 to 5% a year, then then you know by 2000 and late 20s, there's going to be no trust left. And I don't really think that's where we're going. And no. I I think that what people say they trust and what they actually trust are quite two quite different things. Yeah. Yeah. And um, another question is whether they value it, because people would often mm. say, asked about politics, you know, do you trust politicians and political parties, the political process? Oh, no. But do you believe in democracy? Oh, yeah. So exactly. may, maybe it's exactly. a question of what they value in terms of their media. But mm. one thing we must talk about, and now I've committed mm. the terrible sin of Burying the lead, perhaps, but the starkest <laughs> finding in the survey, oh, one yes. that uh, I think other commentators have mm. seized upon, is the issue of what's been called news avoidance. So the proportion mm. of news consumers who say they avoid news often or sometimes, this has increased sharply across many countries, your report notes. But, I mean, these results for New Zealand are quite stark. Greg, what, what was the finding there? 69% of people say they often or sometimes avoid it. That's much higher than other countries, isn't it? Yeah, it is, it is, it is. Um, of course, surveys are always sort of temporarily contextual, right? So this was, you know, the week after the cyclone hit that the survey went out. I mean, cyclones, even for those of us who weren't very badly affected, are quite emotionally draining. Yeah, whatever, um, whatever week you picked... Over the past, well, yeah, yeah. I think, you know, you exactly, could, you, could, exactly. you probably had something pretty wretched in the headlines yeah. the way it's gone. Yeah, exactly. So, well, I think one of the reasons that we all largely agree on around news avoidance is that it's to do with the anxiety that that consuming the news creates or accelerates or or sort of. Ah, well, I mean, I think all of us avoid the news on certain days, don't we? Because well, that was that was my next question because looking yeah. at that, you say, I would answer yes to that question, you know, like on the but Colin, on the weekends. Even journalists, <laughs> right? Even journalists <laughs> but, avoid but, the news. But, but, but when you look at the the Reuters, uh, I think forty six mm. countries they serve. There's something they picked out in the chart here. Australia, it's forty one percent answering. Mm. The same question, the same way, as opposed to mm. 69 in New Zealand, uh, Germany, 29%, Finland, mm. just 20 I mean, that's... The that's, Finnish love their news. Mm. Yeah, well, yeah, so, yeah, Mary, you could speak to that directly, <laughs> couldn't you? Yes, I think, you know, we are, Finland is still, you know, among the, you know, the the most, uh, the, where the, the countries where the, the news is most trusted and Finns consume the news. And I think this, there is that, uh, but the you know, newspapers also put on, you know, extremely uh, high quality uh, product, uh, I think. But can I go back to the news avoidance? Because there were a couple of things which I think are important uh, in my mind. And of course, you know, as we all agree that sometimes we just don't want to watch news. It's depressing for everyone sometimes. Uh, but but what caught my eye was that the, when people say that uh, the news is repetitive, and this comes to the point uh, that uh, you're, there are these content sharing agreements in New Zealand in place between the, the news organizations, like Aaron said, uh, as you know, uh, the, the Herald uh, stuff, spin off, whatever. Same content seems to be appearing in uh, uh, the different platforms. And so the people see the same content across the different platforms, and they, are, they say that news is repetitive and it's boring. Mm. But, Greg, repetitive mm. is one thing, and that's an understandable human reaction. 
But, I mean, actual news that is miserable and hard to take on board is another thing. And we, we yeah. had a mini experience of this, I think, back in 2014 when RNZ certainly and other news organisations encountered a bit of a slump. Uh, yeah. A lot of stuff surrounding... Remember it well. Seemed very dirty interested politics. in him and then suddenly... And, mm. yes, the dirty politics, all of that. And people seemed to turn off the news. But, look, twinned up with that, I hear what media is saying, but... There's also this parallel finding here. Those who are prepared to say they are highly interested in news, just 37% in New Zealand, as opposed to, let's go back to Finland, Mary, um, 67% in, in your mm. native country. Mm. Uh, again, Spain, 55, Argentina, mm. 48, UK, 43. We're way below all of those. Why would people in New Zealand right now be saying they're much less highly interested in news than those countries. Um, we've seen restrictions, cuts, redundancies. We've seen newsrooms shrink by about 50% since the late 90s. So we've really lost a whole lot of journalists, and they're trying to cover the same number of issues. without. Um, that wouldn't affect public interest in well, news, it might, though, it, it? might it might, because if I, I think the comparison between Finland and New Zealand is fascinating, because... Finland has still a much more sort of communitarian, uh, less neoliberal, if you like, approach to life. And as a result of that, their their news is much better funded. Uh, when I asked Maria, why is this newspaper in Finland so attractive to you? And I won't attempt its title, but it's the major daily in, in um, Helsinki. And she says that it's full of these really in-depth, interesting stories with social focus. And then we noticed that there's 14 and a half thousand journalists in mm. Finland. Mm. And and I'm sorry I don't know the exact figure, but I think in New Zealand it's two and a half thousand. So it, it does actually speak to what you can offer people. And, and when you see journalists having the time and inclination to go deep into an issue and to represent how that issue impacts ordinary people. Uh, and I think in New Zealand we're rushing the news. And I'm not blaming journalists for that because the same stuff has to be covered. With fewer resources, you're inevitably going to get a thinner coverage. Uh, and I think people are, some people are going, well, I'm not into the news because, and frankly, Colin, I don't think we can underestimate the impact of the pandemic on how people were suddenly shocked by just how their normal lives could suddenly be disrupted. We don't blame journalists for the pandemic, but what we do have to put up with them in our living room, giving us the daily death numbers. And so when people decide, do I want to turn the news on or not? You know, I think actually at the moment, life's so difficult and challenging. They don't want to hear it. Um, but I do also think that we've ended up with a media that doesn't have the resources to do that. That stuff that uplifts the reader, that makes them super interested in the issue and feel informed and feel that there are possibilities of solutions and they want to get involved and it's a speculation but I think resources in New Zealand journalism are inadequate. Mm. There's also I think that, you know, in Finland the news organisations together run massive media literacy programs in the schools. They start to build up the interest in the news and the politics, etc., really in a you know, young age. So the school kids already are learning about the media. I don't think we have those here. I think it's time to bring and do something about that. Mm, I agree with Although that. Although there but is still, I guess, a, a huge appetite for news. The mainstream news sites such as Stuff and Herald are right up there with all websites, trade me, the whole lot that people like to use. So it makes me a little surprised that people were um, giving that response about not being as highly interested in news as, as people in other countries. Uh, but just to finish, interesting that um, the government 
had recognised in some way that there was less of this public interest journalism being done in depth. And for three years, there was a programme that's now coming to an yeah. end, pretty much, the mm. Public Interest Journalism mm. Fund, yeah. which they copped criticism for. It's mentioned in your report that it was seen as something that could possibly sort of compromise the news. Uh, last Thursday, um, the Broadcasting Minister... Uh, sprang something of a surprise by introducing a substantial uh, budget increase for RNZ, more than mm. a further, it's almost $118 million over four years. The minister had talked about a strategy for mm. for the, the whole of the media for, and for New Zealanders, but this is just a funding announcement for RNZ. We still don't know what they really plan to do with TBNZ or, or other things. Do, do you want to see more from the government in terms of how they really plan to back the whole media? There was a big problems with the uh, public interest journalism fund in terms of trust, as you know, last year when the people said that we, we don't trust the media because government is bailing it out. Yeah, uh, turn, turned us into th- the team of $55 million. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, yeah uh, but, and I don't think that's absolutely not true. Uh, I think we need to see the you know support for the newsrooms in some level and uh, all across the board. If we want to have a diverse uh, voices and diversity of the media outlets, there has to be some kind of bigger supporting system. Uh, I don't know what the mechanism would be, but don't just you know uh, think that you know it's Facebook and Google who will bail you out. The minister did say we will have to reappraise the role of TVNZ. They will be talking about it in cabinet, seeing as it's not now going mm. to be part of a, a not-for-profit public media entity. The chief executive resigned. Mm. We don't know whether they're going to change direction or not. Do you think that's something the government needs to tackle and ensure? Oh, yeah. I think the abandonment of the um, the merger, and I, I, I'm sort of slightly disappointed it's become known as the merger, because it was the creation of a new entity. While it did have some problems, and I know the bill itself was highly criticised, I, I still think that New Zealand needs a central, publicly owned, multimedia... Uh, public news organisation, and I think in in countries where you see trust high, they have these these things. I mean, it's, it, the problem is that in New Zealand you can't suggest things without being accused of being some kind of socialist. But I I really do feel that New Zealanders would get on board with the you know feeling an ownership of a, a significant public interest journalism body. And, and as much as I adore Radio New Zealand, um, we just have to look at the demographics of listeners to know that you know part of the whole thing was to bring in younger and different, more diverse voices. And, and I still think we can do that. I think that the new funding for RNZ is is you know super important, and it's great to hear. But well, and one, I think one it, thing, Greg, uh, sorry to interrupt you, but yeah. one part of the funding announcement was uh, twelve million dollars, sort of hypothecated to uh, what was described as you know a new multimedia platform. So the minister actually said this, the investment will strengthen news and current affairs coverage through a free multimedia digital platform to reach new audiences, Mm. expand regional coverage to be truly national, Mm. and uh, a new initiative to prioritise Māori and Pacific content and support RNZ Mm. with emergency communication. So all of those things. But do you Mm. think that means that the, the government seems to think we need a new one, we need a new... Uh, RNZ or public uh, media multimedia platform to do this to strengthen all these kinds of content and present it, or it just means you know beefing up the ones they have. I'm not a marketing expert, right? But I it feels like there's an opportunity to start a a new sense of ownership in public media. Mm. To to look at overseas at the countries where trust in news is high, where where media is strong, where there are thousands of journalists, not hundreds, um, and and ask what is it about those 
places that is so healthy in the media landscape. And I think we'll find that there's a sense of, of ownership of, of public media. And I'm not sure we have that in New Zealand yet. Sorry to compare it to, again uh, to my home country, Finland. But people are paying the tax there for the broadcasting tax. They believe and feel the broadcaster belongs to them. Mm. And this is something we're lacking here. I, no offense, but... Yeah, I think... Don't take it. The idea of a broadcasting tax license or fee is a controversial one. Um, But if you do look at places where they exist, there's a a sense of emotional investment and actual financial investment from each household rather than, oh, is this what the government's spending our money on? Then it's given the status of what I think it should always have had, education, health, public media. You know, we are paying for this because it's important. And then uh, I think also that the issue of whether our young rangatahi in, in Aotearoa are adequately prepared for media as they become adults. You know, what, what is the level of education around civics? Mm. Um, even the media studies teachers at high schools tell me that they uh, largely tend to teach the Marvel movies because it's, it's easier and kids aren't really interested in journalism. But high school teachers who do teach journalism also tell me that it's an incredible exp- and transformative experience for young people. So we've, I mean, we've got to get civics back into school. And when I said that to a friend who's a media teacher, I, I said something on social media about how important media literacy was. And he said there are 13 literacies competing for the attention of our children. <laughs> you know, and so, so it is a yeah. complex issue, mm-hmm. right? But I do think that, that a sense of the, the public role of the media is, is, is almost at risk of being lost in New Zealand. And, and therefore we get these, the weaponizing of the term mainstream media is, is really problematic. Yeah. It's, it's, it's become a negative instead of we own this. This is us. This is the voice that is inquiring into the issues that we face. That was Dr Greg Treadwell and Dr Miriam Ililati from the AUT's Centre for Journalism, Media and Democracy. And they were the lead authors of the annual survey of Trust in News in Aotearoa, New Zealand. And you can find a link to their full report and the full survey and more of what Dr Treadwell and Dr Mililati had to say in the online version of the story. It's on the Media Watch page of the RNZ website, our section of the RNZ app, or you'll find it in our podcast feed. Now, as you heard there, the survey found that 86% of respondents in New Zealand were concerned about fake news. If you can just give it enough of that truthiness to make people share it, then uh, then it can take off. And, and before you know it, your ad revenue on your website's gone from five bucks a week to, to 50 or 100 or whatever. So one of the motivations for fake news is, is financial. Now, back in March 2018, two former editors in the US started an international service to identify outlets that were hosting and spreading misinformation. NewsGuard now provides credibility ratings and what it calls nutrition labels for significant news and information websites across the US, the UK, Canada, Germany, France, Austria and Italy. This month, Australia's Communications Minister Michelle Rowland announced that the regulator there would enact an enforceable industry code against online misinformation if the media industry didn't enforce its own. And the same week, NewsGuard announced it was going to expand into Australia and New Zealand. Yeah, we we have people in Sydney um, who are uh, reviewing Australian and New Zealand uh, sites, and we have people in all the countries in which we operate who have some experience in those criteria. That has turned out to be a powerful way to separate generally trustworthy sources of news from ones that consumers really should proceed with caution before relying upon. 
Well, we'll report back on what they report back on our media later on on Media Watch. But for now, that's all we have for you on Media Watch this weekend. We'll be back with more on the media after the 10pm news next Wednesday night with Midweek Media Watch during nights. And then back again with more Media Watch at the same time next weekend here on RNZ National.